Justice Thomas doesn't think we should dismember babies. Wow, That's imagine good. that. That's good. AOC thinks they're drinking out of toilets at the border. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> but Thanks, th- there's some Hispanic pastors. They went down there. They they saw otherwise. <laughs> yep. Democrats have a power problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is water wet? <laughs> yeah. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politics. Thank you for joining the show. We got Bill Johnson coming up. You know. And we also got brother uh, Eric Loophole. That's yep. how you say it. Loophole. <laughs> Uh, coming on. We got a really good show ahead of you. My beer doesn't taste the same now after that. After the drinking out of toys. Uh, and our brothers over at Confessional Wear. Look at this. Confessional Wear. Yep. Hey, they hey. got they got John Calvin, John Knox Look. with cross-politic hats on. You know, when you pulled these out and you handed them to us, I was like, why are, I mean, okay, some, you know, reformer dudes. And so I didn't even, I, I didn't even get it. I mean, it's like cool and all, but. Uh, they did a good job with it. On the hat <laughs> is a cross-politic Logo. Yep. And John Knox and hey. Calvin are sporting it. And also you notice know? who's black now. Notice the Oreo who, situation who's too. <laughs> who's black now? I don't know who set this up. But this is that wrong. Is great. So so Raphael and his wife uh, actually worked on these designs and everything. Thank and you guys. we'll yeah. link to their website. You gotta go to uh, confessionalwear.com for yeah. to buy these shirts and support support our <clears throat> Christian brothers. Do, 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 we, do we make any money off these shirts? No, no, we don't. We don't no. make any money no, off these shirts. No, we're in cross politic hats. I'm actually a little different about that. Yeah. Also, don't forget that while supplies last, we got these Bite Laugh Feast Ooh. Network mm. pint glasses. And I got some child labor going on in my house right now Good. because mm. all these club members that have signed up mm. for July, trust me, your shipment's coming. We're just figuring out the process. Your kids are fulfilling um, shipments. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, because I got to pack them in boxes so they don't break. And so my kids are, I, we bought all these boxes to ship them in. So you got to fold the boxes and put them all together because yeah. the boxes don't come in in the shape that you need. You know, right. they just come flat, right? Yeah. So my kids are just folding them, putting them together. I woke up this morning, my kids were working on it even before I got out of bed. <laughs> Way to go, Dad. That's how slave labor works. Yeah, yeah. that's right, man. Uh, you know, so this 4th of July, uh, I kind of feel like a little car wreck because we went out on to the lake um, and we did, uh, I'm a 40-year-old man. Did I mention my birthday was in July, June and I was 40? I turned 40. And all these club like members. birthday yeah, right here. That's right. Happy birthday, America and Gabriel Wrench. <laughs> And and so we're, we're getting pulled on the inner tubes and everything. Um, What'd you say? Uh, getting pulled behind the boat on inner tubes, right? Um, but there's also the, it's not new. It's been around for uh, I think hmm. a number of years now. But there's this thing you can actually surf behind boats, like on a surfboard, like on a kind of a surfboard. It's a, it's a wider board, yeah. But it's you know it's about uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. six and, feet yeah, and, long, and, and you surf on the on the wave, on the wave that's created by, by the, the boat. boat. Yeah. So you're only going like 11 miles an hour behind the boat, yeah. and yeah. The, and the boat creates this wave, and you kind of get in it. You let go yeah. of the rope, yeah. And you can stay behind that wave yeah. and keep going behind the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do that? I did that. And, I, I man, there's a couple of times where I went face forward. Yeah, like right, yeah. boom. Bam. Yeah. And so my body hurts. Yeah, that's why we didn't have notes this morning. <laughs> yeah, the, that's <laughs> right. was not happy. That's Pastor right. Toby was not happy. So, I just, I where's just, my notes? I just can't do anything where they tie a rope around you and pull you. I just, it's not <laughs> in my... Oh come we on! We haven't had a good. No, 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 man! They're tying it around you. You're holding. You're holding on to it. So, oh, so yeah. now, oh, so it's changed now. They make could... me hold the rope. <laughs> okay, I don't. But you can um, let go anytime. Oh can, man! Can you though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, but we didn't even finish. If you want one of these glasses, you got to join. Join the club. Become a member. Yep. 
The Fight Laugh Feast Network. The hmm. next 250 club members that join will get a pint. But a bunch of those are already gone. Yes. So you better sign yeah. up now. Well, praise God, quick. too. And yeah. also, if you're already a member and you upgrade your membership. I'm tracking that. You're also eligible to get one of these glasses. Yeah. So, mm. hey, let's do it. Yeah. Next 250. And then uh, we're going to be going to the G3 conference in January. Yeah, that sounds, this stands for? Gospel Grace Glory. Yep. Okay. And uh, we're going to be doing a couple live shows there. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a lot of media for, for G3. Um, we're hoping to bring some uh, secret weapons oh. while we're down there. Yeah. But also, uh, Phil Johnson coming up. He was on G3. He's, uh, he's, going, he's going to G3. Yeah. It's G3conference.com. Yep. G3conference.com. Yep. And, yes. and it's going to be in, it's on, it's uh, January 16th to the January 18th, yep. uh, 2020. Uh, you got so, time to save up to go. So be saving up. It's in College Park, Georgia at yep. the Georgia International Convention. Oh, we going to show Man, I can't wait to get some Bojangles when I go down there. What? I was thinking about, uh, uh, just supporting Georgia. I was thinking the same thing. You know, let's oh. go to G three. Let's support G three, and let's also just you know go out and support Georgia and yeah. say, hey, keep keep banning abortion. Just plan a family vacation down there. When you get done, Take you your just family. write a letter to the governor. Hey, I really want you to know I enjoyed this place. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you All for right. standing up for life. Yeah, man. That's, so that's awesome. Alabama had a case from 2016 that went to their Supreme Court and then yeah. got appealed to the Supreme Court. So okay. went from the state Supreme went through Court the federal, the federal, you know, chain circuit. and all that stuff. And it was a case about um, dismembering, dismemberment abortions that, and Alabama was making them illegal. Yeah, banned, banned abortions yep. by dismemberment. And so the case got presented to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court decided not to take it up. Right. <laughs> but what I want to bring up here is um, our boys from Alliance Defending Freedom kind of tipped this off to us. Uh, Chief Justice uh, Thomas had he, a... He's going to town. He is. He had a really good response. I'm just going to pick a couple pieces to read from his response. Yeah. I'm not going to go through it all, but you, you guys need to, um, I think, read the full response. But let me pick apart some of this. In 2016, about Alabama adopted a law prohibiting dismemberment abortion. So that's what went to the courts. Yeah. The law does not permit women from obtaining an abortion, but it does prevent abortion providers from purposefully dismembering a live unborn child and extracting him or her one piece at a time from the uterus through the use of clamps, grasping, forceps, tongue, scissors, or similar instruments that slice, crush, or grasp a portion of the unborn child's body to cut or rip it off. As the court appeals explains uh, so forth. Let me, let me jump ahead here. Dismembering a child alive is, in respondents' words, the most commonly used second trimester abortion method. <laughs> Have to. That's, inc- that's crazy. And it counts for 99% of abortions in the state from 15 weeks onward. So that was documented in the brief. Yeah. Put differently, the more developed the child, the more likely an abortion will involve dismembering. And then lastly here, this case serves as a stark reminder that our abortion jurisprudence has spiraled out of control. This is Thomas. Yep. Earlier this term, we were confronted with lower court's decisions requiring states to allow abortions based solely on race, sex, or disability of the child. That was in Indiana, Kentucky. We covered that on the show. Yeah. Uh, And then today, we are confronted with the decision requiring states to allow abortion via live dismemberment. (laughs) None of these decisions is supported by the text of the Constitution. He refers to a case, uh, Gonzalez Carhart. Uh, Although this case does not present the opportunity to address our demonstrably erroneous undue burden standard, we cannot continue blinking the reality of what this court has wrought. That is, I think, the most important statement here because he he's actually talking about Roe v. Wade, yeah, yeah, and what happened in 1973, right? 
Yeah. Oh, my gracious. It's just crazy that 99% of the abortions from 15 weeks onward yeah. are, are required dismemberment. This but, is in where? The, Alabama? This was a case that came up from This is Alabama. all, all yeah. stats. Yeah. This is all, I mean, everywhere. But, the, yeah. but right. I, I think the, uh, I mean, there's, there's multiple levels here. Uh, number one, um, this is the country we live in. It's a country <laughs> yeah. that we just celebrated the birth of. Yep. And um and we have the Supreme Court um requiring along mm-hmm. with federal courts and state courts uh, 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 by implication uh that that mothers may obtain abortions and that they be allowed to dismember their babies in the process. Right. Right. Uh, you know. That's, there, that's there, crazy. There we are. But but, that's, but that, kudos to Justice Thomas. But that's he the set other thing. some things up here. But that's the right? other thing and that's and that's yeah. Thomas rec- says basically this is not the case to take up. He, yeah. he agreed with the the uh, I think I believe it was unanimous decision by yeah. Supreme Court not yep. to take yeah. this case up. And I think the reason why I'm guessing, which I'm not a lawyer, one of you guys lawyers out there, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, is that this uh, doesn't get to the heart of the problem. It's basically it didn't outlaw abortion no, at no, all, no, 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 no. but it, it also it, basically kind of upheld Alabama's uh, law saying you can't dismember, you can't do dismemberment and abortions. It didn't so uphold if, that, so it well, struck it down. Did it? Yes. I was. I took it as the Supreme Court in Alabama sent it back to the state. Is that what you thought? No, yeah. I, I took it as like no, the Planned Parenthood down. appealed. Yeah, but it got struck. It got, yeah. But it's, it's been struck down. They can. That's what he's saying. He's hmm. saying we're saying that you, you can, can do it. You can get your baby dismembered. Wow. And and that's, I missed that. And, and no, that's, wow. that's the whole point of it. And he's saying basically this is not the case to take up because it only deals with a method of the murder. Yet it's wow. still wicked. But it's still wicked. But the thing that I think is. The reason why I think this bill is worth passing, the mm-hmm. reason why this bill is worth fighting for, the reason why is that you can it's highlighting the the bloody wickedness yeah. mm-hmm. of it all. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's saying, hey, yeah. I mean, you're it's, for this. It's still bloody wicked when it's yeah. a six week old baby that you can't dismember. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's all murder. But but he's highlighting just how bloody and violent it is. Well, it's, and it's crazy, the the side that argues, hey, let us have dismemberment abortions. <laughs> let us, uh, we, for us to do a 15-week abortion on, we need the capacity to be able to rip that child apart, take it out. Yeah. Well, because they, and they're arguing th- for that. Because that's the only that's way. the easiest way that, for them to it, do that. Yeah. yeah, that's basically the only way at a certain yeah. form of development you can. It, and that's what wow. he's referring to yeah. is undue burden. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning you cannot get in the way of a woman who decides that she doesn't want to have her baby, and and that undue burden allows it, her. It limits. It limits it, her, it, how it, how long she, there is a window for her to have an abortion. Basically, because at some point right. the only way you can have the abortion is, is by through, dismemberment. But he's also pointing out the fact that we're using the undue burden argument to allow for a dismemberment abortion. That's yeah, yeah. That's what right. I said. Okay, all right. <laughs> I just to put it in my own words. That's okay. Do, uh, do, do, okay. do you, Gabe? Do you? So, so oh, do man. me. Thank you. So, AOC. <laughs> oh, do we have to? Went to the border again oh, this my beer week. Don't taste the same no more. Can you say it again in English, please? There's abuse in these, in these facilities. There's abuse. This was them on their best behavior, and they put them in a room with no running water, and. These women were being told by CBP officers to drink out of the toilet. They were drinking water out of the toilet. And that was them knowing what a congressional visit was coming. That was, this is CBP on their best behavior, telling people to drink out of the toilet. Did you see somebody actually do that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see someone actually drink out of the toilet? I gotta go now. Gotta go now. Yeah. Well, I think the liberal media is trying to so feed good. us a picture. 
here. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many different media outlets reported on AOC right. saying, hey, look, she says they're drinking from the toilet, and and we basically right. are going to let her voice stand here. Well, all the all <laughs> the main mainstream media headlines are mm-hmm. uh, border crisis, border yeah, crisis, yeah, yeah, border right. crisis, yeah. humanitarian crisis, yeah, humanitarian yeah. crisis, which means that she's driving the narrative down there. That's right. Well, and But yeah. here's the thing. So – uh, there's a number of issues that the media has been reporting on. You remember the whole language about cages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Obama built those facilities. Wait, wait, wait. Under, no, no. Say, say that again. Obama built. You the, mean Trump? What they're calling cages. You mean Trump? No. Obama's administration Obama built those facilities. Obama built yep. cages. And then, That's okay. I think he got it from Bush. And then secondly, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and then secondly, under in Trump's first year in office, over 700 illegal immigrants died crossing the border. Wait, who? Under Obama's administration. How many? Over 700. Okay. And then in Trump's administration, his first year in office, which was just last year, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, about 230 illegals died crossing the border. Wow. And so, but you never, I was talking to a so, friend. Wait, wait, so are you, are you saying um, it's better because less illegal, he's done a great job of making it easier for illegals to cross the border? Uh, well, uh, my point is in all this is just, that <laughs> just, all we hear is like all the atrocities that are going on in the border under Trump administration, but you never heard about it right. under Obama's administration. Hypocrisy, you're saying? Yeah, it's hypocrisy. Like, it, this stuff. Surprise. Yeah, I think and, we. I think and, we said this when it was AOC when she did her little sob video in, in her on her bed or whatever when she called them concentration camps. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. But it's worth pointing out. Uh, excuse me, but since when do people try? to get into concentration camps. At what yeah. point do people try to climb over fences yeah. to get into concentration camps? Well, it's got to be pretty bad where you're at. Where you're like, that concentration camp, yeah. pretty good yeah, right I'm now. Yeah, I'm going to go right over there. <laughs> well, and you know who you does mean you this? can drink water out of toilets? Bums do this. <laughs> There's water? People who are homeless do this. Yes. They purposely go to a place where they have to get arrested to go to jail because yeah. they get fed there, they yeah. get water there. Well, that's actually what I was thinking about. Is like, So wait a second. What? A, where? Where? When is she going to go to one of the state penitentiaries and cry? Yeah, I'll take an abortion clinic. Go to there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Go there uh, and cry. Go. Uh, They're dismembering babies. Yeah. I mean, right. We, There's a Hispanic uh, pastor. The, the 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 Hispanic pastor um, uh, Samuel Rodriguez. He's the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. Okay. He actually went because of AOC's comments. He actually went to the border. Yeah. And walked through facilities, and he, he said. He was shocked at the misinformation of the crisis at the border. Yeah. And he said, he said the detention center seemed like a summer camp environment in which the migrant children had access to TV snacks and enjoyed friendly relationships with the guards on duty. Well, you know what? At least your taxpayer dollars are going to something than better than what you thought. What? The, <laughs> what? My, my, I'm just saying, but okay. it's good use of it. You don't have to feel bad. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, we, we need to make sure. So that's one point is be careful what you listen to. Yeah, right. Christians are easily right. susceptible to um, fake news, to right. the liberal uh, slant. And that's um, selectively reporting. Right. Um, yeah. In fact, um, you found the picture of the <laughs> toilets the toilet. yeah. in some of the detention centers yeah. in which you actually have this one unit where it's a toilet and then there's like a water fountain the at the top of it. Yeah. On the top of it, it's one unit. And it's like, okay, is there some. Are Sense. they drinking out of toilets? When you get halfway down, it's a toilet. Yeah. Above that, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a, a water fountain. fountain. Right. But yeah. so like, but selective reporting of news. Um, and so just be mindful of that. I think, I think a lot of Christians are, are growing in their awareness of it, yeah. but don't, don't be guilted yeah. into just yeah. saying, you know, oh, this is all Trump's fault and, and this needs to get, fa- I mean, this is started with Obama. Right. This, this is a long standing problem. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and we're easy to get 
that play run on us. Don't let that play get run on you. We understand the obligation. But secondly, don't just get drawn into the food fight, which is nuh uh. Mm-hmm. So the Hispanic mm-hmm. pastors go down and they say, nuh uh. Mm-hmm. And it, okay, that's good. That's helpful yeah, yeah, yeah. to say nuh uh. Yeah. But that's not what this is all about. That's right. What is it about? This is all about democratic power. Hmm. This is all about, um, so the Supreme Court last week dealt, uh, a, a, a blow. It was, a, the, the Politico article I read said it was an unexpected blow to the administration's attempt to add citizenship questions to the 2020 census. Isn't that the purpose of a census? So, <laughs> if you're familiar with the Constitution, the Constitution requires a national census every 10 years. Yep. It's in the Constitution. Yep. Okay. And, um, and for a long time, citizenship was actually a question on the census. So it, um, yeah. So there's a long form and short form. Right. And they would send out the short form to, uh, you know, a sample of the population. And, and then the short form, form excuse the me, they'd, form. they'd send the long form out to sample the population. The short form would go out to everybody. Okay. And so the long form had the question on it. Are you what, a citizen? I wonder what or people not? were like, oh, goody, I got the long form. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I matter. <laughs> and, and, but the, so they deleted, they actually just got rid of the long form. I think it was actually in 2010. And so with it was deleted the citizenship question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And the um, Trump administration has said they wanted to add it back in, mm-hmm. which think about it. Duh. <laughs> I mean, this is not, this is not rocket science. Yeah. We want to take a census. Of the people in our country who are citizens, who are citizens, kind of the purpose. Isn't that the purpose? <laughs> Chief Justice John Roberts joined the court's liberals. He's in, a conservative, right? In ruling that, yeah, the same guy that upheld Obamacare. Yeah. Uh, officials exp- that the expl- explanations for the move, putting it back on, were implausible and legally inadequate. Yeah, and this is the same Supreme Court that we want to rule on the, on the issue of abortion. I know. Oh, I, know. I don't trust these. I guys. don't trust them either. They the High Court they can't define a citizen. What is this? So what the High Court? Did, <laughs> exactly. The High Court um, actually didn't rule against it. Really, they actually just returned the case to lower courts for further action, which sort of raised the doubts about the administration's ability to get that question on. Um, the um, but Trump almost immediately responded by saying, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. Um, uh, that that you can't ask if there's a citizen, uh, if this individual is a citizen or not. Yeah. This is one of the key things that that America needs to know. And and again, back of all this, I believe, is a Democrat power crisis. Well, we don't they, they we don't have a it. we don't have a border crisis. We have a Democrat power crisis. What were oh. the two things that I think it was a conglomerate of states led, led by a New York coalition? Right? Okay, and they basically said um, the lawsuit would hinder immigrants from wanting to respond to or to respond to the census the census right because you know they they, they were if they afraid. Say, i'm not a citizen yeah, right then they, maybe someone will come after right me. so it would interrupt their federal funding and then their political power for every state that because funding's connected to, to how many how, people you how many can pe- count right. in your exactly. city county region and if so, you're not a citizen yeah. that money don't go to your state yeah. but here's the thing and you don't get more representation because more, the exactly. more the bigger your population is, the right. more representatives you get. Good. So number one, yeah. first of all, the, one of the answers though is is just because you're not a citizen doesn't mean you're here illegally. That's right. There are tons and tons That's of right. people who are here legally who are not, not citizens. citizens. Right. They got green cards. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So whatever. Okay. Number two, exactly. Um, the the attorney general for California, Xavier Becerra. Um, who was part of um, the the suing uh, the lawsuit, lawsuit? That br- brought the lawsuit against New the York Trump administration? Okay. Yeah, um, had this triumphant press conference. According to again, Politico said that the decision <laughs> to nix the question would ensure that California gets its share of federal dollars to pay for schools, road repairs, and disaster money. response. Money. This is about money, and as you pointed out just a minute ago, voting. It's about voting. Yep. 
Um, and so that's the crisis. Right. And, yep. and what OAC, whether she knows it or not, is being, is trying to create is this border crisis that distracts from the issue. That's yeah. right. That's right. But, and, and all this, you remember, we talked, we brought this on the show, uh, uh, man, it must have been two months ago. But uh, in one of the interviews that Bernie Sanders was in, I think actually Kami Harris agreed with her. Um, he said that I think the Unabomber should be allowed to vote. Remember, people in prison yeah. should oh, be yeah. allowed to vote. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, I mean, connected to the power play, there's, sure. just, there's, just, yeah. uh, there's a number of examples where Democrats are trying to basically revolutionize how we do right. uh, voting. Uh, what's the other thing that came up with um, uh, each uh, state? Uh, rep- representation. Oh, of, like of, killing uh, the uh, electoral. Yeah, the electoral colleges. Yeah. That's that's another democratic right. play right now. And I think well, all back of all of this is I think the the recognition which the founders actually recognized that a pure democracy is dangerous. Yeah. Because um, mobs of people can be easily manipulated. Yeah. And so I think the move that the Democrats are doing, which is actually just a play uh, right out of the old French Revolution playbook, yeah. which is basically the more we can get it into into crowds right. and break down other loyalties and other yeah. layers of of uh, of authority a- allegiances right. and allegiances, the more we get big crowds, the more we can promise them things, the yep. more we can um, yep. Uh, pro, uh, we can that's manipulate exactly them. Right. This, this is yeah, that's right. And, that's how intersectionality works. And that's too. how it's part uh, of what, it's part the intersectionality. This is how the government actually, if they can ultimately get between the mom and dad and their kids, right. if they can insert themselves right. through social welfare, right. through public school systems, we can provide with money. Yeah. We can provide food. We can provide the schooling. Yeah. We provide the education. We provide yeah. the jobs. We yeah. provide the medical yeah. yeah. Medicare. We all of it is a way of breaking down that. Society, well, which that's, is that's right. That's what Burkefell was about too. Right. Right? Exactly, which is why the Christian family, the Christian church, Christian mm-hmm. businesses, Christian organizations, mm-hmm. um, having an identity and providing those things that God's called us to provide for our people is right. so significant in in fighting back against statism and socialism. Right. Amazon, of course, banned books on conversion therapy. Hold this on, week. Wait, wait, I want to talk about this. Hold on. Wait, wait. Denny Burke had a great article. I'm pointing this out, just raising yeah. awareness about it, saying yeah. Christians are next. Yeah. Um, con- conversion therapy, actually, uh, it, you remember, is not Christian in the first sense. Right. Um, it, it could be. It could be. It could be. But originally, it was um, it was a, a theory that was um, uh, posited uh, by, uh, what's the guy's Nick, name? Nicholas. Uh, uh, Joseph Nicolosi. Nicolosi. Founder of yeah. the now shuttered Thomas Aquinas Psychological Clinic. Um, and he wrote several books about, um, I sort of how to guides directed to parents of LGBTQ youth, um, you know, parents guide to preventing homosexuality. Yeah. His, the thing is, is that his theory, um, is a secular yeah. therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. The point that Denny sprinkled Bert, with Christian, Christian language. I don't know. I don't even know if it is. Is it? I think he's a Christian. I don't know about that, but, okay. um, but the point that, but Burke is making and others rightly so is saying as soon as. This happens. The yeah. next thing is anybody who who is arguing that a homosexual can repent of their sin right. and will um, be lumped in as conversion and therapy can or sort of convert. And those yeah. books will be banned from Amazon. Right. Well, and, here's the problem. Yeah, even yeah. Christians aren't arguing that anymore. What's that? 
that homosexuals can convert. Oh, yeah. Oh. Right. Oh, man. Revoice. <laughs> Revoice. Yeah. Uh, right? And the That's spiritual right. friendship movement. Yeah, the yeah. PCA. They're, they're saying, yeah, I mean, they, they say, yes, some people can. Yeah, this is pela- it's semi-pelagianist. Some- right? It's semi-pelagianist. I see what you did there. Yeah. I see what you did there. But I think, but they're also, but, but the Revoice people are saying, but for most people or for many people, right, right. Uh, lifelong celibacy is probably the norm because mm. you're always going to have this orientation. It's it's impossible to be changed. Right, right. Um, which is not at all what the Apostle Paul said. Yeah. Uh, he said, and such were some of you. Yeah. yeah First right. Corinthians 6. Right. All right. Just a few thoughts really quick. Number one, um, I believe in free markets. And this goes back to the point we were just making. Yeah. Um, I want Christian businesses to have a lot of weight to throw around, run their business the way they want to run it yeah, yeah. within the law of God. Yeah. Um, which means that I think businesses like Amazon, if they don't want to sell a book. Yeah. They don't want to do business with an author. They don't have to. Should be free not to. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Which um, means the florist which, should be free. But, but that's the right? thing is, is that I want, I do want to insist on equal weights and measures. Everybody has to yeah, the, play and, the same And thing. I do believe that's one of the jobs of the federal government and, and state governments and civil government is to enforce equal weights and measures. Right. Yeah. Right. A dollar is a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. Absolutely. A, yeah. a, a pound is a pound is a pound is yeah. a pound. You yeah. know, that there's equal weights yep. and measures. Right. That means then that if Amazon is free to say we're not doing business with this guy because mm-hmm. we don't agree with his conversion yeah. therapy stuff, yeah. then the florist should be free not to do business with the homosexual yeah. couple that wants yeah. to do flowers for their wedding sure, or absolutely. the baker doesn't want to make the cupcakes right. uh, for the sodomite celebration. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but, and, and this comes back again, is it turns out equal weights and measures is a Christian idea. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. yeah, yeah I was going to say free it has e- to be defined. Equal weights and measures is... A idea that God came up with. That's yeah. right. And, and you can't say, well, no, that's just that's just sort of out there. It's like any everybody agrees with that. Yeah. No, they say fair. Yeah. yeah. They say equal. But who, who gets to define, define equal? Yeah. Who well, gets to define fair? And you notice all the plays are basically being run against Christians right now. So Absolutely. the floors has to go to the Supreme Court. Amazon's saying, hey, we're, we're probably going to get eventually to banning Christian books through right. this whole conversion therapy doors. What Denny Burke's arguing. Yeah, and I, I think it's, and, I think he's likely right. And he's likely right. And, but what you're seeing is from uh, – you're basically seeing kind of new Jim Crow laws coming down on what? Christians. What? Now. Oh, uh, Christians. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. We're getting limited. We're yeah. getting pushed out of the public yeah. square. So, so Jim Crow laws are just applying to Christians now instead, I think, of, instead of black. Also, right? too, I think Christians don't mind. Part of what I hear from Christians on this is the, uh, they're wanting to read it back into. It's almost like since since Christians can't uh, choose to do business who they want to do with when it comes to cake baking. and, yeah. and So therefore, let's force Amazon then to have to carry. Right. Uh, you know, and this, and, and and this is the thing that I think I want Christians to watch out for. Yeah. yeah right. Is that we, we, we should be sick and tired of the federal government. Trying to tell us who to do business with. Yeah, that's right. It got. I mean, the first Jim Crow laws. Yeah, that was from the government. That was the government (laughs) saying they're going to come in and fix it. And 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 I know that's controversial, but hey, they didn't fix it. They made it worse. The gospel is better. Amen. The gospel is better. The the state is not a savior. Right. I agree. The state is is like that. The woman who touched Jesus, she she had a flow of blood, and she went to all the doctors, and every doctor that she went to got, it got worse. worse and worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and then she goes to Jesus, and right. Jesus heals her. Yeah, that's the state. Right, makes it worse and worse when they overstep their bounds, right. their limited bounds that God has given them. They make it worse. We do. We want the state to repent of their false yeah. um, systems of justice. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. that we want them to repent, and we want them to return and recognize that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And therefore, yeah. whatever he says the civil magistrate should do is what they need to do. That's right. But that means also they need to get out of a whole that's, lot of it. Yeah, I think also, too, one of the things Christians need to think about, especially as elections are coming up, is, you know, there was a—in um, in the music industry, you have people who were good, but they weren't hot. 
Mm-hmm. So you have people who were good at their, ta- their gifts yep. and they can make music, but they didn't get hot, which means that they didn't work in a way that was able to get a lot of praise from people and what they did. And, yeah, and I yeah. would point this to capitalism. They don't make money from what they do. They're good and they're talented, yeah. but they don't know how to turn profit. Right. Yeah. And so one of the things that I see Christians doing is they're, 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 get, they're good, but they're not hot. Yeah. They don't turn profit off of what they're doing. They're kind of burying their talents. They got the talent, but they don't do anything yeah, with it. Right. And one of the things that we need to do is get hot, get good, get, yeah. And, and, yeah. and part of this is a platform. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. I don't think Amazon is necessarily playing account. I mean, it could be, but what I know about Amazon, what I understand about um, Bezos, I, I, I think it's a money issue for them. I think it's, I, I think this and, is their version of the Nike Kaepernick thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of because I don't think Nike saw the profit margins that they got from Kaepernick. I don't think they saw that necessarily coming. They could but have. But don't you think Nike ultimately wants the profit? They absolutely want the profit. Yeah. But I, I just don't know if they saw it. I think, you know, with, with Amazon, I'm willing to say, I think those guys see it. They're, they're almost a, a trillion yeah. dollar company. Yeah. I think they get it. I think they get it. And so they make decisions based off money. That doesn't mean that somebody's not in there somewhere playing yeah. the yeah. moral game. The, I, I, I think, I, think, I mean, I, so you're just arguing that but Amazon I, still cares more about capitalism than listen, they care about some sort of political. I, I know a Christian organization that spends millions of dollars marketing yeah. on social media. And one of the things that they got pushed back for at some point was the idea of, you know, hey, you know, if you compromise your religious beliefs and views, you might be able to get more of a crowd. Yeah. Because, you know, the way the system works and the way it's designed, it yeah. works like this. And yeah. this person said, I spend enough money here. You gonna bend to me? Yeah. Well, guess what happened? He he won. He won. Yeah. He's hot. Yes. Chick <laughs> Chick Fil A. He's hot. Chick Fil A yeah. is hot. Get yeah. hot. Exactly. Yeah, and, and so there's a yeah. way. There's a lot of ways that we can. Yeah. It's not always one play, guys. Yeah. There's more than one and, play. And, and so let me run this out. Here's the thing. We need the better Amazon. We we need and yes yes absolutely because because then. Because I mean, right now Amazon is is the best at what they do. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And 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 so they get to call the shots. Yeah. But the answer to it is be better. But there's two things that need to go with that. Not get only better. do you need the better Amazon, you need the better book. So you need the two platforms because the guy who's number one selling book on Amazon, he can leave them like okay, whatever. Yeah. But he goes to another yeah. platform. Yeah. Right. And brings them the same amount of money yeah. or film or. Yeah, you know yeah. whatever it is you're and, selling. And Amazon doesn't care what you're selling That's because right. they want to sell you. That's right. That's exactly right. Because you're doing the best product. That's right. Get hot, and that's one of the things. If you get hot. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, so, anyway. That's really good. All right, more cross politics when we come back. Phil Johnson. Ooh, this is going to be fun. You yeah. don't want to miss the next segment. Next on cross politics. Become a member. Get yourself a pint glass. Hey y'all. Cheers. Ah, ah, I, I got nothing in there. <laughs> what is that? Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local, like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical. Christian. Get connected. Get community. Right on time. Fourth of July. I'll, I'll let you have it's that. It's America's one birthday. Be late. Can I look at that camera? You, you can. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politic. <laughs> We're in the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, and this segment is brought to you by David's Sunflower Seeds. No, it's oh, not. man. No, because they are not a sponsor of Cross Sunfl- Politic. That's true. But they're the best. Yeah. And with us on the line right now is Phil Johnson. He- Phil's the executive director of Grace to You. 
He has been closely associated with John MacArthur since 1981. Oh, whoa. And now he's closely associated with cross politics. Yep, never going to leave that. He edits most of Pastor (laughs) MacArthur's major books. Phil also founded several popular websites, including the Spurgeon Archive, the Hall of Church History, and the Pyromaniacs blog. He's an ordained elder and pastor at Grace Community Church. Phil and his wife, Darlene, have three adult children, seven grandchildren, and he is going to be speaking next January. At the G3 conference in Atlanta. And we'll oh, be there. We'll and, be there. And we're going to be wait, there. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, can I call you Doc? Phil? Me? Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a doctor. I'm not even a nurse. What? <laughs> no. oh, you know what? That ends today. Yeah. Today we give you a cross politic honorary doctorate. There we go. <laughs> that ends today. <laughs> we just do that. I don't know if it means anything, but you get one. Um, what, what are you preaching on at, at G3? Yeah, I don't know yet, actually. <laughs> uh, they haven't. Haven't given me that assignment yet. <laughs> well, oh, just gonna let the spirit use you. Go ahead, Dan. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on Cross Politic, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, we want to talk to you about heresies. Mm. Um, you've identified four major heresies in five. the history of the church, or maybe even five. I yeah. guess it was five. Right. Um, our goal is, is what we want to do is we actually want to um, we want to learn from you because we've seen some of your work in this, but then we want to kick this in a cultural political public square direction and um and so if you could just briefly walk through the major heresies and then if you could start talking about how they manifest in modern culture yeah good i I would say there are five major strains of heresy okay uh not not every uh like there's a there's a definite uh uh, similarity between arius and his heresy and and the modern day jehovah's witnesses sure Mm pretty much teach the same thing. Uh, so that's one strain of heresy. Let me just take them chronologically. Starting with, in Scripture, you see the legalistic heresy of the Judaizers. Right. That was, I think, probably the earliest error to assault the church. You see it in Acts 15 when men come down from Judea and say, you know, unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. Right. And, uh, of course, Paul deals with that in a lot of his uh, epistles. And then in and so some forth. of the... Right. And in some of the later epistles from John, you see inklings of, of a new heresy that was just beginning to dawn, the Gnostics, Gnosticism, yeah. which was a, is really a collection of errors, mystical stuff, blending paganism with Christian ideas based on lots of uh, phony scriptures and bad ideas. Now, that went on for several centuries. So you have the Judaizers, the Gnostics. Then Arius comes up with right. this uh, with his teaching that Christ isn't God. He's a created being. There was a time when he didn't exist. He's the highest of all created beings, but he's still not God. Uh, and Arianism nearly took over the entire church. There was a there was a time there in the fourth century where practically every bishop in the church right. had signed some kind of Arian creed. And right. owing to Athanasius, uh, right. that that tendency was turned back didn't didn't you Saint have nicholas Pelagian. punch him in the face arian arius right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i think That's that helped story. too that helped too <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually you know it's a pretty interesting story because that was at the uh, that was at the council of nicaea right and and uh, they that council condemned arianism as heresy but that didn't stop the heresy. And in right. fact, Arius made his greatest gains after the Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Yeah. He spread his heresy through songs and music and stuff. And, Interesting. And, 
Yeah, he was the Worship. he was the uh, like ancient Hill, equivalent of Jesus culture. Yeah, or Hillsong. There you go. <laughs> ouch, oh, ouch. I, was, I was helping you there get a, to the modern culture. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Ar- Arianism. So, <clears throat> yeah. So now we're through the fourth century. The Judaizers in the first century. The Gnostics really pick up steam starting in the second century. Arians arise in the fourth century. In the fifth century, then you have the Pelagians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Pelagius, you know, teaching actually the the gist of his error was he denied the doctrine of original sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. he said, you know, you know, he was the equivalent of Charles Finney yeah. in Augustine's time. And mm. Augustine, after he turned, after he was in his 50s, uh, began to write uh, discourses against Pelagius and his doctrine. So some of some of Augustine's yeah. most important writings took place after he was already an old guy, mm. which encourages me. Um, you aren't done yet jesus is not done with you yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah but anyway so that's the fifth century and uh pelagianism was was more or less routed because of augustine's influence uh but then sort of re-emerged with semi-pelagian views which it would the semi-pelagians were I would classify them as a strain of Pelagianism. It's not as pernicious, but it's nevertheless pretty bad. And they were condemned, I think, in 529 by the Council of Orange. Mm. Then you have a thousand years where there aren't any new or major heresies that arise. And during that thousand years, the Catholic Church went from being, you know, solidly Augustinian to Mm -hmm. gradually more and more semi-Pelagian. Right. Mm -hmm. So that by the mm-hmm. time of the Protestant Re- Reformation, I, I would I would characterize Roman Catholic teaching at that point as semi-Pelagian. Right. So defi- define then, that real quick. If 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 Pelagianism basically is denying denial of the original sin, what's semi-Pelagianism? The, the semi-Pelagians didn't deny original sin. They just said that the problem created by original sin, the fact that we're dead in trespasses and sins, yeah. is more or less automatically overruled by common grace or uh, prevenient grace or some idea like that. So yeah. that you, you, you're not, you know, redeemed from your sin, but you're given enough freedom of the will to make an independent choice, yay or nay, to trust Christ. Got it. Uh, you know, most I think most people who call themselves Christians hold to semi-Pelagian ideas, yeah. right. even today. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. a lot of Baptists that hold that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Just, you just did that? I just did it's that. true. <laughs> we have the PCUSA. You might want to stop. I now. know, yeah, I know, I know. We, we, we got, we got. Just, yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Right, so, <laughs> there's four. Which, in fact, brings us to heresy number five, the Socinians. Yeah. Which, uh, Socinianism arose uh, on the heels of the Protestant Reformation. It's basically a kind of theological liberalism. The Mm. Socinians took every error that had ever been condemned before (laughs) and amalgamated them all into one big heresy. Gumbo! Why not? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and it exists today in the PCUSA and other denominations as theological liberalism. Wow. Basically Socinianism. It's, uh, it's, resurfaced over the centuries in different forms, deism, Unitarianism, Got it. you know, modernism, liberalism. Yeah. So those five strains of heresy, the Judaizers are a soteriological error. They attack the gospel. Right. The Gnostics and the Arians are Christological er- errors. They attack the 
reality of the incarnation or the deity of Christ. Mm-hmm. The Pelagians, uh, again, are another soteriological error, denying the primacy and sufficiency of divine grace. Mm-hmm. And the Socinians take it all and, and you know, they, they err both soteriologically and Christologically. Mm-hmm. So, That's really helpful. So, so as you look at the climate right now as it relates to um, our political climate, what's what's the worst of these that you think we're facing? Mm. Well, I would say it's Socinianism. It's also yeah. the most prevalent and uh, influential of all the – I mean, all of these heresies still exist in some form or another today. Like I said, the Arians are uh, – modern-day Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses, Witnesses are simply Arians – You've got Gnostics uh, throughout the New Age movement and even in a lot of professing Christian denominations. Uh, The legalism of the Judaizers has been a problem since day one in the church. It Mm -hmm. surfaces and resurfaces again. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Pelagianism uh, follows hard on the heels wherever you find Arminianism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we were getting ready for this interview, we kind of came up with a short little list where we were trying to even push these heresies a little bit further, like where we're seeing them maybe— in the public square and, and in politics. And so maybe these connections work, maybe they don't, but we thought they'd be fun to bounce off of you. So here's the first one. Uh, could you explain how transgenderism is a new form of Gnosticism? Mm. Oh, popcorn, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and you know, that's actually something I'd never really considered or thought of, but if you ask me about transgenderism, which of these heresies does it have most in common with? I would have said Gnosticism. Yes. Because <laughs> the, Gnosticism is a, it's a mystical approach to religion where, you know, you find the truth within yourself rather than on the pages of scripture. Right. Mm. Uh, anytime mm. you have that sort of mystical notion that the truth is inside me, deity exists inside me. Right. Uh, and, and minimizing scripture, you're going to find Gnostic tendencies. And that's what transgenderism is. It's that, uh, you know, the reality of what gender I am isn't determined by my bi- biological makeup, right. uh, my genetic code. It's determined by how I feel. Right. And that's pure Gnosticism. Okay. So, but before we go on, I want to know if you, how do you defeat that? All these heresies in one way or another, what's been beautiful about this in the past, we've seen them defeated through the church. Well, Push back <laughs> in one way or another. Resisted. Resisted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How, how, what, what, what would be your, your um, particular tool of choice to defeat transgenderism? Well, scripture. And in fact, uh, in the history of heresy, every one of these uh, heresies has been defeated I- either in the context of some council or yeah. over the, or over the course of history, defeated by men who, who insist on the authority of scripture and who treat scripture seriously, who do exegetical work and preach the word. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's the way to defeat any of these errors. The other, the other connection I was thinking of, in addition to what you said, Phil, was just the emphasis on the incarnation. So Gnosticism denies that, that Christ is re- like, it's most important that Christ has come in the flesh. Right. And, right. and so you have the denial of the body and a prioritization yep. of how I feel and think. Yeah. And and there you have it with the transgenders saying, you know, yeah. my body, the incarnation of me, right, right, doesn't line up with how I feel. Well, and there's then yeah, that's, you're connecting that's it right. To- that that's a good insight because uh, most of the Gnostics uh, believed that you know matter is evil and spirit is good, right. and they made that sort of dichotomy. And so uh, it would be a normal thing for a Gnostic to despise his own body and maybe even mutilate his own body. Mm. Wow. So okay, here's another one. You ready? Mm. Here we go. So maybe this works, maybe it doesn't. But how 
how is statism a new manifestation of Pelagianism? How is what? Statism. The sort of the oh. deification of the state and the will of the people and the yeah. savior state, a new manifestation of Pelagianism. Because it's based on the notion that, you know, fundamentally people are good and that mm. uh, if you give power over to the to the state, you know, uh, good things are going to happen because people are fundamentally good. And that's, that's, you can only believe that if you deny original sin. Right. I think we did. That's another one. We're two for two. I think we're two for two guys. All right. Who, who wants this one? Uh, uh Gabe go. Okay. okay. How is, uh, Judaizing an ancient form of nationalism? Oh. And did you vote for um, Trump? Um, <laughs> No, I didn't. I, I actually didn't vote yeah. for Trump. I live in California where the presidential vote doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And, uh, it's kind of like Idaho yeah, the other I, way. Yeah. I just couldn't clear it in my conscience to vote for Trump. I didn't vote for either. But yeah. I have to say, I was surprised at how delighted I was that uh, Mrs. Clinton lost. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, think, uh, I think everybody was. Yeah. Okay. So, so back to so, it. How does Judaizing uh, an ancient form of nationalism? Yeah, that, well, that's sort of obvious. Uh, the, the there was this nationalistic strain among the Jews because they're the chosen people, right? right. So, uh, in order to become one of God's people, they believed you have to become one of us, and so mm. the nation actually took precedence over the the, the nation itself took precedent precedence over what they should have learned from the Abrahamic covenant about faith. Right. Ooh, uh, Galatians three. Right. Okay. Can, you, can you speak to that though? In terms of the modern day, I mean, this is a messy one because I think there's obviously there's actually a Christian form of nationalism or what we may call patriotism. Yeah, yeah. Um, loyalty to one's country and nation, and we we see in Revelation, you know, the nations are coming in. Yeah. Um, to the New Jerusalem. So there's something good about nations. Right. Um. At, yep. what, po- at what point does nationalism then become Judaizing? Well, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, you'd have to be, you'd have to tie, you'd have to tie uh, some sort of pietism or works or religious ritual to it to really be the same as the Judaizers. Uh, oh. I don't think every form of well, nationalism is necessarily. What's, and, and it's like when Jesus said, you know, you, you, you put the traditions of man before the law of God. What you about, put, what's the guy's name? Yeah. Je- Jeffress? Uh, the Steve, uh, pastor in, is he in Dallas yeah. or somewhere yeah. where, yeah. you know, first Baptist, yeah, first yeah. Baptist Dallas. I, I mean, is that creeping up on Judaizing? Uh, I have to think about that. I mean, I think what he does blending politics into his message is deplorable. Uh, and it definitely corrupts the gospel. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't know if I see an exact parallel with the Judaizers. Uh, something else that just occurred to me. Uh, let me spin it a different direction. Uh, one of the things going on in the in the SBC and PCA just met uh, recently, and they got some stuff that they're yeah. dealing with. Uh, in the PCA, one of the big ticket items was the whole um, revoice uh, controversy. Yep. yep. And is there is there some um, what's what's the heresy? Um, What's the heresy that the PCA is dealing with when they're dealing with the whole revoice thing? Go easy on us, Phil. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I can't go easy because I'd have to say I think it tilts towards Socinianism. Okay. Frankly, Connect I, the I, I, kind of all of the above, huh? Yeah, 
Yeah, but uh, at the heart of Socinianism is a, a contempt for the wor- Word of God, the, the idea oh. that human reason is uh, more reliable than Scripture. So uh, whatever Scripture says has to be subject to you know, human reason, which ultimately means political correctness and popular opinion. Ooh. And, yeah. and that's, uh, that's, I would say that's leaning towards Socinianism and that's where it will go. I, I've yeah. said from the beginning I, I, that I think, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the talk about social justice and especially as it veers into issues of, uh, gender and sexuality, uh, it, it's a, it's a subset and a replay of what we were seeing 15 years ago with the emerging church. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, emerging church, the emerging church movement melted down because the underlying Socinian ideas just mm-hmm. became too obvious. Right. Yeah, and I'd say Phil's right because remember the PCA broke away from the PCUSA back would, in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And it was over the inerrancy of scripture, over who Jesus was, and it was over sexual um, ethics, basically. Right. And that's that's kind of all of the above with um, Socinianism. Yeah. Okay, so Phil, we got you just for a few more minutes, but I, I want to ask you, I don't know if you've thought about this. I keep on asking questions he probably hasn't thought of. <laughs> you're, you're that just smart. You're I just that smart. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Doctor Phil, um, <laughs> uh, what is there, a, is there a sixth heresy that has kind of crept up in the modern age that maybe is not necessarily something that the church has faced in older times? What would it be? I, that's why I'm asking you. I'm just, I know Socinianism is yeah, all no, kind of moved. I don't think so. Okay. So I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I, I think these five categories pretty much cover the gamut and uh, every heresy I can think of in the history of the church and even the stuff that's flourishing now fits in one or the other of these. But Socinianism essentially had gathered up. See what happened with the Socinians and the reason that followed hard on the heels of the the Protestant Reformation is you have this Italian guy, Socinus, who the heresy is named for, who uh, he, he, I think he just hated the idea of divine revelation, the authority of scripture and all of that. When he saw the, the reformers rebelling against the authority of Rome, he said, yeah, let's take this even further. And he decided that he was going to reject everything that has to do with Catholicity. Right. Mm-hmm. So the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the yes. authority of Scripture, the inspiration yep. of Scripture, he rejected it all. Right. And and so once you've done that, I mean, he's eliminated everything that is distinctively Christian. <laughs> it's hard to think of a heresy that would fall outside that category. It's like the the pinnacle of all heresies. The it's the, yeah. So yeah, and and the frightening thing is, if you look across the scope of the professing church today. Of all these heresies, Socinianism is the the most subtle, but the most pervasive and yeah. pernicious. If we flip this around, now we've talked about battling and resisting, and I, and this is really really helpful. Flip it around though, and say for a second, if if the Christian Church successfully pushed these heresies back, if the Christian Church in our country in America um, was uh, success successfully understood. The superiority, the, the supremacy of Scripture, the deity of Christ, the Trinity, um, original sin, and and God's sovereign grace. If we held these things, what kind of impact would that have on the public square? Well, it would inevitably have an impact because 
the proclamation of the gospel would be backed up by consistency in the mm-hmm. lives of those who profess to love Christ. And it, it makes an irresistible sort of testimony to the truth, uh, which at the very least is going to silence uh, or, or put to shame the the boldness of unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I always think I was doing some interviews and it seems like there's a lot of people talking about the fact that the, the church is trying to be like the world. The church is trying to be like the world. But I think I got this from you, Phil, a long time ago. It seems more that so if the cult goes, which, you know, the church, the cult goes, so goes the culture. Right. And it seems like what you just said there is if the church itself kind of would repent, get itself in line. All of a sudden you see the culture itself. um, You know, we're actually uh, infiltrating the culture in one way to the point that they start saying, oh, wow, this, you know, they start repenting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh uh, to a large degree, what Jesus meant when he said, you are the salt of the earth. You s- sometimes hear people say, well, Jesus commanded us to be salt. No, he didn't. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. The salt acts as a preservative to to halt the rottenness of uh, you know meat that couldn't be refrigerated. Right, and it man. also gives seasoning and flavor to food. So in all those ways, the just the existence of the church in the world is a manifestation of God's common grace Mm. That helps to restrain the wickedness of people who aren't even in the church. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, I like that. We're, you, we're salt, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Well, either you're salt with flavor or you're salt with no flavor. Yeah, and, and yeah. It's, it's either yeah. preserving or it's going to rot. And when yeah. when you see Hollywood and, and modern politics going to rot or, you know, one of the modern presidential debates. Because salt has lost its flavor. Yeah, the, the arrow points back at us. Right. Mm. That's really good. Uh, Phil, right. Dr. Dr. Phil. Uh, <laughs> You can you can post. We'll send you like an honorary doctor. You can put on your wall. Um, <laughs> what, what website can we find you at? Uh, right now, Romans45.org. Romans45.org. All right. Hey, Doc, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, Phil. More right. cross politics. Thank you for having me. When we come back, if you need a little red meat in your diet, Pastor Doug Wilson. Say we are dealing with a young man who's dyed his hair purple. I'm giving him counsel, and I tell him, as I would tell him, that this was sinful. He would want me to look up purple hair in my concordance and show him where the Bible prohibits it. But this is as unreasonable as the demand to find a list of English obscenities in a Greek lexicon. The Bible condemns rebellion, and the purple hair means rebellion. If he agrees, he has admitted the sin. If he disagrees, then he is an empurpled ignoramus, as the Sex Pistols would readily tell him, were they here? To enjoy more red meat of this kind, check out the podcast on iTunes or for more blogging of this particular nature, blog and may blog at DougWills.com. Kind of sticks in your teeth, don't it? I don't have any water in my... I'm I'm digging these shirts. Guys, we're empty. Hey, guys, we're trying to have a show. Oh, okay. Welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. This segment is brought to you by the fact that we're trying to have a show, and there's an intern on the set. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't ready yet. Uh, all right. Anyways, my coffee. that's Elliot. Everybody give it up for Elliot. That's my nephew. And um, My and nephew. Thanks for the beer, Elliot. Uh, hey, with us on this segment is Mr. Eric. I didn't even ask you how to pronounce your last name. Luppold? That's Leupold. Yeah, Leupold. That, that's how I was going to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, no, you weren't. <laughs> he graduated from Emory-Riddle Aeronautical University with a design and a degree in aerospace engineering before wow. commissioning as an officer in the United States Air Force. Mm. He spent about eight years serving in active duty. Mm. He was a B-1 
1B Lancer pilot, and wow. then an MQ-9 Reaper pilot. I don't even know, I don't what even that, know is. that is. Just say it excitedly. Yeah. Wow. Afterward, Eric joined the Pennsylvania Air National Guard, where he currently serves as an instructor pilot. He also earned a Master of Military History degree in his spare time wow. and an MDiv degree from Liberty University. He also graduated from Squadron Officer School and Air Command and Staff co- He's just been going and going. I'm just going to drink. I, I went to two years of community college. His wife, <laughs> his wife, Renee, he and his wife have been married for 10 years and are parents of three children, one of whom is baptized, which, is, yeah, yes, yeah, which we go. found out. Thank you. Keep working. They live outside Philadelphia, uh, and he is an elder and a teacher at Hilltown Baptist Church and co-host for our podcast, Two Guys and a Bible, also ooh, ooh. has been featured on the podcast Cross Politic. Way to go, That's dude. right. You made front, it on the Fight Life Feast <laughs> Network. He's also the author of Image of Gold, The Tyranny of Our Idolatry. Eric, thanks so much for being on Cross Politic. Oh, thank you guys for having me. It's a, truly a blessing. I, I think more officers need to be writing books like this. Absolutely. You know what I'm I, I trust uh, military men and pilots writing about theology more <laughs> yes. than I trust seminary professors. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and tell why. <laughs> wow. I, I'm going to yeah. tell why. I'm going to tell why. Yep. Because you understand that that your words matter. Mm-hmm. So when you're flying one of those planes and you're giving instructions to somebody, you know that your words matter yep. and that they could result in life or yeah, death. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And and you, you yeah. have life or death right in front of you every day, probably. And you understand that. And so when you come to theology, I trust you more. Yeah. Because... Yeah ideologues ideologues people up in the ivory tower people they, they, these these elites yeah big heads walks yeah they can say words and then they go home and it doesn't matter no application for it wow and and so that's why that's why yeah. i trust uh fighter pilots more than i trust seminary well, professors like you said eric can't give no transgendered instructions oh no he can't right <laughs> no his instructions no no <laughs> that's right we always uh, advocate for clear concise and correct communication so c3com is one of our objectives oh, c3com we need to get that in the we're about s- to go through a course here forget yeah. all these questions we need to get this in the seminaries <laughs> all right so eric i mean there's actually been quite a bit written about idolatry i mean there's um you know you become like what you worship was that who's that gk Bill. Beal, yep. which, which Eric, Eric references here okay. in the book, yeah. um, you know, but there's a number of books on idolatry. Uh, a number of people have, have brought it up. Um, why, why another book on idolatry? What do you bring to this conversation that's unique? Yeah, uh, well, what led me to uh, discuss this topic was I first studied history, and I'm particularly a big fan of studying the Soviet Union, uh, Nazi Germany, things like that, and I always tried to understand how those nations came to end up where they were, how, mm. uh, how it all happened that way. And then I started seeing uh, some things in our own culture, our own political environment, people advocating for more government, uh, people, even friends of mine that I grew up with, advocating for the teardown of the system, uh, things like that. And as I did some research on it, I saw that uh, a poll was taken in the uh, Wall Street Journal back in 1995 asking people if they wanted more government uh, involved in their lives. And it was only about 30% or so that said yes. And then fast forward, 23 years later, they took the same poll, and the number was nearly 60%. Mm. So nearly a double of people who want more government involvement in their lives. And I kind of asked the question, well, why is that? What's led us to that point? And that leads me 
to the theology portion of it. You mentioned uh, Dr. G.K. Beale, and he's been a great influence in my own studies. Uh, his book, We Become What We Worship, has been so influential yeah. because uh, you know he talks about how you image what you worship, whether it's the one true God or a false God, and uh, idols are, are blind, they're deaf, and they're dumb, and those who worship them end up in the same way, and there's this downward spiral yeah. that takes place. And so uh, putting that all together, I started seeing how the idolatry uh, amongst those nations led to things like Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, and seems to be affecting our culture today. So, so you're taking the ideas, sort of the theology that, that's been um, uh, taught on idolatry, and you're applying it particularly to politics in the public square. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a connection there, for sure. I mean, it was a connection in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 as I studied about Hitler, I mean, he, he advocated for, uh, for people to say these, these almost prayer-like uh, phrases to him, you know, about, about the Fuhrer and how uh, the Fuhrer gives us our bread. And then in the Soviet Union, you had something very similar where, uh, you know, the, the Soviets would come in, tell the children to, to pray to God for candy. Uh, nothing would happen. And then, they, and then they said, okay, pray to Stalin or oh. pray to the Soviets for candy. And they would drop candy out of the, uh, wow. the air conditioning ducts or the that, rafters. And, and wow. Yeah, oh. That sounds like Breadline Bernie a Wait, little bit. Hold on, Eric. Do we have, <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. Is, is there anything like that happening now? Because obviously we would all be like, aha, there it is. We don't, we don't pray to the American we state, do yeah, we? Yeah, we don't see anything like that happening right now, do we? Uh, yeah. Well, it's a little bit difficult, I guess, more with a democratic or a representative form of government because it's not just one person who, you know, takes the spotlight, if you will. But, uh, you know, I still think that it's pretty clear we're asking for Caesar, for the state, to, to do more in our lives. Um, I mean, if you think about it, it's really, really simple. If we all recognize that the world is broken, that it's all messed up, okay, mm-hmm. there's a lot of yeah. problems out there. And I think people, uh, and it's just common grace, we all yearn for things to be better. And maybe it's a throwback to the Garden of Eden. People, sure. you know, we miss that. Yeah. And, but the thing is, if you don't believe that Jesus is going to redeem the world and make all things new, or that God is going to bring heaven and earth together, yeah. then your only recourse is to trust in earthly power. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that's that's the civil magistrate, that's Caesar. He's the only one uh, who can bring heaven on earth in this broken world, and that's, that's the result. Right, so why, why, is, why is idolatry um, such a threat to a good society? Why is it problematic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, idolatry involves you know, simply putting something in, in the place of God, and as Dr. Beal mentions in his book, you image what you worship, and as I try to draw out in my book, Every god has its laws, right? So yeah. when the people of, uh, of the Amorites or the Israelites started worshiping Moloch, it's not as simple as just, well, we bow down to the statue and, and, and we say a few prayers and that's it. No, if you wanted Moloch's blessing, you had to sacrifice your children. Mm. So every god imposes his laws on those who worship him. Mm. Uh, and you either, get, you either get God's law with the one true God, a holy law, or you get wicked, wicked law. And so, uh, you know, it kind of ties in with the idea that I've heard a lot from you guys and a lot from Pastor Doug Wilson, that if there's no God above the state, the state becomes God. So Caesar will basically uh, uh, pass his own laws 
uh, that, that on those who wish to worship him and serve him. There's always going to be a God. There's always going to be a standard yeah. uh, of law. And so what happens is, is you start worshiping that God and then you start acting out what that God wants you to do. Start which imaging that imaging, God. Imaging. And you start ethics. offering your yeah. kids over to Planned Parenthood or whatever. Um, flip, flip oh, this, absolutely. flip this around. Um, what does Christian worship um, do? How does it disrupt a society? Oh, well, oh yeah, uh, big time. I mean, and it disrupts it in a in a good way, of course. Right. I mean, the society doesn't think it's good, but uh, you know, Christian worship, you know, it calls us to to serve and submit to and worship the one true God who made us and made the whole world, and of course, He's given us His law on how to flourish and how to live rightly. And so when that starts to happen, the people start becoming set free from their idols. And this, mm. uh, of course, frustrates uh, Caesar. Uh, and just a, a good example in Scripture would be Nebuchadnezzar. Right. Uh, the fact that he, you know, he sets up the statue of, of either himself or his God. And he's like, all right, everybody, when you hear the music, it's time to bow down. And, of course, uh, you know, Daniel's three friends refuse to do so. And in a way, I mean, he, he rages at them because he really can't have power over them. You know, mm. they even say to him, like, even if you kill us, even if our God does not deliver us, we're not going to bow down to your statue. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, Nebuchadnezzar thinks, you know, what God can deliver you out of my hand. But, uh, you know, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they are free. Uh, and, and worshiping the true God set the people free, and Caesar can't, uh, get his hooks into them. Mm. They're truly free to serve God and to love their neighbor, and that will transform society. But it really upsets those who are engaged in idolatry. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but you know, June was quote unquote Pride Month. Yeah, oh. I was too busy celebrating Juneteenth. Yeah, Juneteenth. Ah, it's, it's, like, it's like the Black ah, Fourth of July. Is that like, <laughs> the, yeah. But yeah. the uh, that's that was that was the music playing. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. everybody to bow yeah. down. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. That That's was right. the music playing, oh, yeah. and all the businesses flew the flags, yeah. rainbowed up. Yeah, and um, and that's but that's that's the point at which everybody's being asked to bow. Yeah, and the right. way you bow yeah. is you put the flag up. Wow. And yeah. if you don't, you're more like you, you notice how it ramped up from last year to this oh, year. Yeah. Everybody yeah. on Facebook. And, oh, big time. And and so Christians, you're gonna stand out. Are you gonna worship the Triune God? Or not? Are you going to wear the shirt at Pride Day at your business or not? Right. Yeah. Um, you're going to refuse to and, bow down yeah. or not. Yeah. And are you ready to be in the fire? Because you yeah. can expect that to come. That's part of the narrative. Because yeah, you're going to get dogs. fired. That's oh, yeah. That's you're right. you're going to lose your job. You yeah. need to embrace it. And, and, you know, it's going to start with Christians first. You know, one of the things that I noticed in your book, Eric, that um, I didn't like, but I think it's obvious. <laughs> 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 There's two questions here. Um, the, the first one is, I, I thought it was really interesting that you were talking about idolatry. It seemed like you were focusing to Christians in your book. And I thought it was yeah. interesting that you would write a book to Christians who know what idolatry is and know what it looks like yeah. and, and talk to them about idolatry. And, and, and a part of my mind was like, well, yeah, duh. You know, you think about Israel. They were saying, we've never been slaves of anyone. There's a natural <laughs> blindness to us of what idols look like and what we're Christians. We don't worship idols. Right. Exactly. So, but, so yeah. when you look at our idols as Christians, what are some of the things that you're seeing for us and why, and yeah. why are we so blind to, to notice these? What things? are our, our idols? Yeah. I mean, it always seems like things begin in the church, right? And it always began yeah. with God's people. Uh, or one that of the salt. examples. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like in Psalm 106, you know, it talks about how the, 
they, the Israelites, did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them. And they began mm-hmm. to mix with the nations, and they mm-hmm. did as they did. Yeah. And they became unclean, and the land was polluted. And what's interesting is that it says in Psalm 106 that God gave them into the hand of the nations. Mm. So the very nations whose gods they worshipped and those nations who hated them, God said, okay, you want to worship those gods? Oh. Well, here you go. Yeah. I, give, oh. I give you right into them. So in a way, it really does begin in the church. Um, and when we are asking Caesar to do things for us, we're putting our kids in the public schools, Ooh. we're just uh, down on... Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, natural disaster happens and where, you know, where's FEMA? Where's my check? Oh, you know, I need, you know, I need, all these things like if Christians are, are not setting the example, how can we expect society? You know, I, I, I'm not surprised when pagans act like pagans. So I am surprised, though, when Christians engage in idolatry and we're the ones that really need to get it right first in the church. And then we can get the log out of, you know, the speck out of our neighbor's eye, right? It's, that's wow. what my problem with you was right there. Right there. <laughs> you started, I, I opened up your book and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I was like, okay, oh, let's go right to chapter eight, tearing down the idols. And I started going through chapter eight. And then you started saying, uh, so how you act like a father? I was like, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. you, why are you preaching on me? <laughs> you know, I was like, let's talk about politics. Yeah. Let's talk about what's going on over there. You was like, so how do you treat your family, Dad? I was like, oh, oh let's my close this chapter. No, you, you, you bring up a good point. Cause I, I mean, I'm, in a way, I'm preaching to myself. I mean, um, you know, as I was studying it, like it, it starts in the home, right? And, and parents, you know, that's one of the big takeaways of this, uh, of this book, I think, is the application for parents. Because parents are both modeling what it means to be under authority and what it means mm. to be in authority. Preach, man. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, uh, if we are abusing a power, uh, you know, and I, I talk about two different models, right? So you got the tyrannical father or mother that's abusing their children, and if the solution to all problems in the home is force, yeah. then the children grow up thinking the solution to all problems is force. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, if you don't discipline your children in any way, shape, or form, then they grow up, they don't know how to wield power, and when they finally get it, they're like a toddler with like a, a claymore, yeah. you know, or a broadsword. They're, you know, unwieldy, right? So you yeah. get that toddler tyranny or, or, or tyrant, uh, terrorist tyranny. And I think what we're getting today with some of the folks like, uh, like AOC and uh, some of the other rising political stars is we're getting a form of toddler tyranny. Like they don't, they, they say they mean well, and they don't know the, the, the third, uh, fourth, fifth order effects. You know, they want to do these right. nice, wonderful things, but they don't realize that it's actually going to result in tyranny. They're not so much like a Stalin or a Hitler, because both those individuals, you know, it's very striking that they were both beaten by their fathers. Uh, you Ooh. know, I, I read about how, wow. how Hitler's, Hitler was beaten at the age of nine by his father, who was an alcoholic, yeah. and Stalin was uh, also beaten by his alcoholic father. And in fact, it's interesting, his own mother beat him too. Oh. And I read about how, in 1935, when Stalin was uh, meeting his mother for the last time before she died, he asked her why they beat him so badly. And this is just so amazing to me. She said, well, it made you the man you are today. Oh, wow. The man you are who's murdering millions upon millions of yeah, people. Wow. Like, wow. It's, it's absolutely striking. It, it, so as parents, we need to do the right thing here. It, it's striking to me, though. Now, as you're pointing out, rather than doing sort of the straight-up straight up violent coercion at least uh, out in the open like a hitler like a stalin we sort of have this uh we have sort of have like a i've called it um sort of a totalitarian daycare yeah Mm -hmm. it's 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 like you know 
it, it actually, it, it reminded me when I was reading the, the opening of your book, you talk about a conversation you had with the whole an old school friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who was just sort of, uh, you know, com, uh, completely the, distraught. The atheist, right? The atheist who, who, um, yes. who, who yeah. was just completely distraught that like nothing's going to get fixed. Nothing's going to get fixed. And it's in that, um, it's in that, you know, depression and despair that you, I think, are willing to say, let's just, you know, the state can take care of everything. And, and it's like this totalitarian yeah. and it's for our own good. Right. And, and when, and, and when you have a completely materialistic view of the world too, then it's like, you know, here, take your medicine, take, you know, go sit there, go stand there. Um, here's your graham crackers. Here's, here's your, here's your apple juice. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, and it's going to, why? Because it's for your own good. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you can't, yeah. you can't take care of this yourself. And so we're going to do, you know, healthcare and we're going to do retirement and we're going to do government schools and we're going to take care of it all for you from birth to death. And, you know, we're, we're going to be your mother. We're going to be your nanny. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, but, and one other thing is that like, it's always very subtle too. And I, I think even, even the, the, the more the tyrannical uh, figures like Hitler and Stalin was very subtle. I mean, I was reading, uh, the the journal, the diary of William Dodd, who was the ambassador to uh, Nazi Germany in the early 1930s, and he referenced that he went to a uh, a play that was about the Messiah, about the crucifixion of Christ, and he says in his diary that when uh, they depicted Jesus being crucified, uh, a, a good portion of the German audience were crying out Hitler, 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 and he even says like he would not be surprised if half of Germany viewed Hitler as their Messiah. So, uh, you know, people were, were wanting and yearning for someone to save them and to do things for them. Um, and sometimes uh, I mean, they just don't realize what they're asking for. Hosea says, you know, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And when, the, and when the church does not disciple its people well, they're easily seduced and given over to idols. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it, when, when Israel um, went to the wilderness, is within three days of going out into the wilderness, they were complaining against God. And within the year of being out in the wilderness, they're um, uh, creating gold, uh, 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 creating gold idols out of the, uh, the money what that they plundered, what they from, plundered Egypt. from Egypt. When, and it was just yeah. within they they got to see God's deliverance through the yeah. cloud, through the sea, and everything. And they're yeah. turned over to idols immediately. And the thing is, is I was actually just talking to my wife about this a couple of days ago, and thinking about how um, it, Christians don't realize how obedience in the home obedience yeah. in the church obedience in the little things um it it multiplies and and god really blesses that yeah and it's really tangible it's oh, it's yeah. not it's not just like and we're happy or we're not mad at each other i mean that's a really good thing too but like things like inheritance yeah like actual like houses physical uh, inheritance car, cars yeah. uh you know yeah. uh, an actual inheritance money that's right. um, but also then jobs and, and community that's built i mean my wife and i are in the process of actually gonna, we're gonna build our own house yeah, i'm so excited for that and, and and we're looking at this and we're saying like you know what the crazy thing is is that there are a bunch of christians in our community they're not like it's not like um anybody's like giving us this massive deal yeah but like everybody is piling in in different ways like uh, contractors yeah. and, and painters people, and real estate agents yeah. and people like all mm-hmm. these people and it's a christian community thing yeah that's actually has tangible results in blessing and the same yeah. thing goes for health care i mean we got a doctor that's who's right. in our church who does care for us yeah. we have I mean, we have multiple doctors yeah we, yeah. Have, we have bankers yeah. we, we have real estate agents we're covered we got farmers we really are covered. we got yeah. teachers yeah. We got, and it's and, and of course yeah. you know we're in the community. We work with non-believers too. Yeah. Um, but it's the thing is, is that when when fathers are faithful and they teach their children the mm-hmm. gospel, 
and 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 parents keep their marriage vows and churches discipline sin and pastors proclaim the whole counsel of God it has very tangible effects and it includes things like retirement and healthcare That's and right. eating yeah. and having a job and all right. these things yeah. uh, that with all with, without the government with uh, with without <laughs> idols yeah without That's idols right. That's right. amen idol free. amen toby i i <clears throat> absolutely i completely agree i mean it's kind of like a two way street right like we know that the government is trying is always trying to grab more but at the same time, if we in the church and in the home are failing to do our job, right. well, then Caesar is going to be happy to pick it up. Go fill the vacuum. Say, okay, well, I'll, I'll be father. Yeah, I'll be your father. Yep. And I'll be your pastor. Yep. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll punish That's blasphemy. Funny. I'll punish uh, I'll punish hate speech. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, there's always going to be heresy and blasphemy. I'll so, fix racism. So really, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's funny. It's like people always say separation of church and state. But... It's actually not the case because right now Caesar is punishing heresy and blasphemy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep, yep. They're they're punishing my yeah. your thinking, right? That's exactly. Man, we can talk to it forever. Oh man, Eric Loopold, Image yeah. of Gold, Loopold. I'm seeing. I'm acting like you. Eric, I'll fix it. Eric Loopold, Image of Gold, <laughs> the Tyranny of Idolatry. Where can we find your book at, Eric? Oh yeah, it's on Amazon, a paperback and Kindle, and the audiobook version will be out in a few months. Oh, oh right. nice, man. Eric, man, where can we find you at? What website? Uh, oh, well, I mean, I got my podcast at the website, uh, www.twoguysinthebible. Uh, That's the number two, guysinthebible.org. Mm. Uh, you know, tune in. Uh, we, we do a, a weekly podcast there. Uh, Check so, out uh, Eric. Yeah. And we'll send, we'll send some links out to all this. Awesome. Yeah. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, close your ears, Eric. Go baptize them. <laughs> Until next week. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh and feast. This is Cross Politics.